Counter the latest internet sensation. He might be going to go down the Hall of Fame fight. Yeah, bro, I, I crossed our barriers, but it didn't hit that. He's been in the squad for a few weeks now. This is a magnificent specimen of mankind. Good morning, Seb, and good morning to all your listeners. Thanks, Uncle Chop Chop. Yeah, I was hoping for some crayfish or something like that. <laughs> Weekend Breakfast with Seb Costello on Triple M. Funny thing happened yesterday at Channel 9. I got into a sound booth with Peter Hitchener, the great news reader, one of the most beloved men in this city, and this happened. <laughs> <clears throat> Sorry. <laughs> oh, you've got a you've got a legitimately funny one this week. What was Peter Hitchener laughing about? I'm going to tell you about that very, very shortly. Danny Green coming up soon. I don't know how to put this delicately. His dog took a poo in the gym. I want to ask him about that. That's coming up very shortly. Also, we're going to talk to the shooting gold medalist himself, Russell Mark. One, two, three. Here is the three things you need to know about with Channel 9's Peter Hitchner. Excellent. So we did find this rather amusing. We are doing the three things you need to know about jousting. And the reason we're doing that is because earlier this week, we celebrated the fact that Australia had a jousting champion. His name is Philip Leach. He hangs out at Cryle Castle out there in Ballarat, and he's pretty good at getting on a horse and ramming a big stick into another man. Hitchie, tell us the first thing we need to know about jousting. Jousting is where two knights ride horses at each other to try to knock their opponent off with a long stick known as a lance. It was the number one sport in Europe in the Middle Ages but faded in the 17th century due to a player's strike and a lack of a network TV deal. Not really, it was more the emergence of (laughs) gunpowder. Indeed, I like it. few gags. I'm going to take credit for that. All right, number two, what was the second thing you need to know about jousting? In the 16th century, King Henry of France entered a jousting tournament to celebrate the marriage of his daughter. He was killed, which probably put a downer on the wedding. (laughs) Now, that is a true story, and I think it's been long enough since the death that we can have a little giggle, although it would have been... Quite a weekend. All right, great man. Peter Hitchin at Channel 9 News. What is the third thing we need to know about jousting? <clears throat> Most knights fought for their local lord, but some sold themselves off to the highest bidder. They became known as freelancers, a term that still exists today. Now, that is actually something interesting on Three Things You Need to Know. Hitchy, you are an absolute legend. That was The Three Things You Need to Know with Peter Hitchner. Incredible details coming out of Dallas. Awful shooting yesterday, as you probably know, a man opening fire on police. And one of the main suspects was involved in a bit of a negotiation situation. After that failed, here's how Dallas police dealt with him. They got one of those bomb disposal robots, but instead of using it to dispose, they strapped a bomb to the robot, drove it inside where this man was, and then blew it up. And that's how they dealt with that situation. Fairly seriously. We might cross to the US a bit later to get a few details. That is incredible. In the 20th century, the sporting landscape was indeed a wide world. But with the advent of the interweb communication and global overpopulation, the sporting universe is bigger than ever. And champions beyond the traditional games deserve their recognition. Presenting the Weekend Breakfast's Glittering Galaxy of Sport. Don't the kids love it? Well, they're going to love this. It is 18 past seven, and we're going to talk futsal. 
On the line is Corey Smith, who is one of the gurus of futsal in this state. And Corey, what is the difference between futsal and indoor soccer? Uh, good question. Good question. <laughs> uh, I, I like to say it's the professional version of indoor soccer. Um, but it's the it's basically the FIFA recognised version of indoor soccer. Uh, it's also the the version which is recognised worldwide as a professional sport. Um, indoor soccer is primarily a, a social sport, whereas futsal is uh, is becoming um, more of a a sport which is recognised across the world and, and now played seriously by by uh, thousands and thousands of people across Australia. Now, Corey's the Victorian Director of Coaching when it comes to futsal. And, mate, I've seen this on TV. Is the ball a bit heavier than your regular soccer ball? It is. It's a low-bounce ball, and the the idea of that is to keep it um, on the ground, and it's easily manipulated then, especially by kids. Um, So... You don't have the ball being smashed all over the place like you do in an indoor, a normal indoor soccer. And game. speaking um, of the normal indoor soccer, you don't have the nets up, do you? No, no, no. So the ball's out, the ball's out. So you need to have good, good foot uh, control. You need to keep the ball in play. Uh, movement's important. Uh, you can't pass it off the wall and, and run in behind and those sorts of things. So it's it's very much a smaller version of of eleven-a-side football. How's the participation um, going in Victoria? Growing at a massive rate. That's so, good. Uh, within Australian Football Association, there are a couple of different uh, associations within the state, but within Australian Football Association, we've grown across the state from in f- five years ago, I think we had around 150 teams. Now we'd be close to 500, 600 teams as well as all of our state programs. Mate, that's great. And so, is it like the soccer? Do the Brazilians dominate at an international level? Yeah, the Brazilians are next level. Um, <laughs> they, they, it's amazing, actually. Obviously, uh, South Americans have a, a, a massive futsal culture, and, and that comes about by the fact that there's not the opportunity to go and play on the big pitch for a lot of those kids. Uh, so they, they get a ball, they get a, a sports hall, and they, they go and play. Um, but they're, they've been world champions now for a while, uh, and... I, I would say that they, they will back it up and be world champions again this year. Oh, there's a World Cup this year? There's a World Cup this year. Uh, Where is it? World Cup in, in, in Brazil. Oh, mate, oh, you're going to find sorry, a way. Colombia. Oh, cool. so, <laughs> sounds a bit hairy. Are you going to uh, maybe give that one a miss or are you going to head over? Uh, we actually have an under-17 World Cup uh, the week before. So In Colombia? And that's in Scotland. Uh, I'd so. prefer to go to Scotland, I think, if so, I had the yeah, choice. We're going to Scotland for the Under-17 World Cup, which I'm head coach of. Oh, um, magnificent. But then, yeah, the FIFA World Cup is in Colombia later that year. Very good. Well, mate, uh, good to chat. Corey Smith, the Victorian Director of Coaching of Futsal. Thanks for being part of the glittering galaxy of sport. No problem whatsoever. Danny Green there. Health and Fitness with Danny Green. He is on the line. Good morning, Greeny. Morning, Seb. How are you, mate? Mate, did the puppy leave a landmine in the boxing gym the other night as you were trying to train? <laughs> mate, here I am preparing for the 3rd of August. I guess the bloke is going to try and take my hat off. And, yeah, my bull terrier, Yo-Yo, just thought she'd um, yeah, leave a little, a, little, a little present for me. I was wondering, jeepers, creepers, this... This chain's a bit rusty in the bag. Or what's going on here? And I look down and there, she's a big hoed. <laughs> and she looks so guilty. It was perfect. The video was beautiful because she couldn't look 
I thought she was an actress. It the is, dog was an actress, you know? It's on your Instagram. It's, it's worth checking out. She left a turd in your training camp. <laughs> right under the bag, too. <laughs> and usually, look, they're not the best-smelling places to begin with, but if you could smell that turd, she's left a fair whopper on you. Yeah, she's healthy, put it that way. <laughs> not unlike her owner. TeamDannyGreen.com.au is your fitness program, mate. And you must have heard a lot of stories over the journey of people who've decided to pull the pin out, get going, and they tend to be pretty inspiring. What's one that sort of comes to mind? Mate, uh, not long ago, I met a guy who, who had joined up Team Danny Green, and he was from New South Wales, probably I mean, rural New South Wales. He said, I would never have trained. I would never have eaten well in my life. I didn't really care what I was doing. I didn't realise I was doing so much damage to my body and my health. I went to the doctor because I had to about another related matter, and he said, mate, you gave me the information. He said, your type 2 diabetes will kill you if you don't make a change today, and you won't, because he's friends with the doctor, so it's a big email, a beautiful email from this guy. And he said, if you don't change your life today, you will not walk your daughter down the aisle of her wedding, which was coming up in, a, in, a, in, a, in an X amount of months. I can't remember when. He goes, man, that really, that really pulled in my heartstrings. And I thought, if I'm not there to watch my daughter and to take her, hold her arm and arm down the aisle, you know, it's that's 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 his world. That's all of our worlds as fathers. So that's the best excuse I've ever heard to actually make a change for your life and start getting healthy. That's amazing, mate. Uh, speaking of which, does that concept just terrify you though? Of one day walking your beautiful little girl down the aisle? <laughs> yes, mate. It, does, <laughs> it really does, and I hope like heck that, uh, you know, she's been raised well enough to realise, you know, to sort the kiff from the chaff. Oh, well, I reckon um, the old man will give her a hand. You know what? I'm kind of thinking she's pretty street smart. This kid, she's been around a block. I'm kind of be thinking, you know what, buddy? I'm feeling for you. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I hope as a father anyway. I hope she's on the roost. Uh, mate, how old is she now? She's 14 and a half. That's enough about my daughter, Sid. That's it. Okay, mate. We'll stick to uh, <laughs> we'll stick to the in-ring stuff because you are heading our way. You're in Melbourne to do training camp. It is coming very, very quickly. You and Kane Watts. Yeah, mate. I've, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm can't wait. It's uh, it's pretty exciting, mate. It's getting, it's kind of getting closer each day. Goes by. It's like, man, it's not far. It's only, it's only three and a half weeks. And uh, I know this young fellow Watts is training the house down because he's a massive opportunity. If he, if he, you know, defeats me and not, I guess, you know bang him own drum but you know it's a big name on his resume it's the biggest name he's got and it's his world it's, it's the equivalent of his world title shot so it's a big opportunity for the young fella and i've got to make sure that i uh <laughs> that i do the business to keep this you know this rematch with mundane alive absolutely mate well people can get on ticket tech they can get their tickets high sense arena you want to be part of it greeny good luck mate we'll talk to you next weekend i'll see you next weekend in person look forward to it Seb. Big win for the Swannies last night. Around about six goals down there in G-Town. But I guess one of the most compelling moments, and while the on-field stuff in footy we love, it's the off-field characters as well. And to see Kieran Jack kick the first goal last night and the cameras, for better or for worse, panned to his partner, who was really visibly emotional. Looked like a nice girl. And after the week they've had all the family dramas, for him to come out, kick the first goal... And to see her, you know, so emotive and so natural and so real in the grandstands was it was pretty heartwarming. And I tell you what was the best moment when her old man leaned over and tapped her on the shoulder. It's a family that's close and is supporting each other through what was a really public time. So good on them. After the match, the coach of the Sydney Swans, Johnny Longmire, was asked about the whole situation. Kieran went through a, a tough, tough week. Uh, um, you know, that's been well 
written and documented. I think everyone's over it, to be honest. Um, I think we all need to move on from it. Players obviously support he and Brandon in a really strong way, but um, in the end, I think it's time everyone moved on. Well said, Johnny Longmire. Hopefully this is the end of it. I do have a little tip, though, that somebody who's close to the Jack family but is not a relative has taken their story to the glossy magazines. Watch out for that next week. Something coming down the pipeline. Hopefully we all ignore it so we can move on. On the line, the man considered one of, if not the greatest trap shooter of all time, a gold medalist for Australia. It's a very good morning to Russell Mark. Seb, yeah, good to catch up with you this morning. Now, mate, I want to ask you this. You won all sorts of championships in the trap, but I guess you became a national figure after claiming gold in Atlanta. How did your life change after you won an Olympic gold medal? Yeah, look, it's a good question because no one ever prepares you for the day after you win the Olympics. It was my third Olympics in Atlanta and I'd went pretty close in Barcelona four years prior and had four years to stew over it and get my act together mentally. And when I finally won in Atlanta, it was a lot of relief. It was, um, you know, people say, you know, you're very proud to win it for Australia and everything. And that's sort of the warm and fuzzy answer you give them. But at the time, I was very happy to win it for Russell Mark. (laughs) Probably, um, you know, the part, you, you are very proud to win it for your country. But at the time when you are shooting two clay targets flying away from you at um, 100-odd kilometres an hour. You're not thinking about the, the country or anything else. You're thinking seriously about your reputation and all your work and maybe your family's work they've put in here is on the line. Do the best you can do for yourself. And then when I finally won it, I think it was a lot of, a lot of relief. Um, it was the only major event that I hadn't won up until then. I'd won all the other three of the four major events that we considered to be our Grand Slam events. But that one had eluded me. And when I finally won it, you could say your resume is complete. And I guess you do sleep easier after that, um, only because the weight of expectation that I guess maybe not only yourself, but all the people around you put on your shoulders is all of a sudden taken away. And it's certainly a a once-in-a-lifetime feeling for a lot of people. One man who knows it on the winter side, he won it in very different circumstances to you, Stephen Bradbury. His gold medal never leaves his back pocket. If you run into him, he can pull it out and show you. Where do you keep yours? Yeah, look, I, I was the opposite, to be honest. Um, I went to Princess Park, as it was back then in 96, with a guy who was a really good friend of my family, who you would know, um, a guy called Bruce Comden, who's oh, a yes. legend of the Carlton Football Club. But at the time... He was about 70 years old and he drove me to the ground and we walked in there. It was about a week after arriving home from Atlanta and Bruce said, give me the gold medal. And I said, Bruce, um, boy, they're worth about 100 grand, mate. I don't know if you want to be carrying that all day. And he said, there's no one tough enough in this ground to take it off me. So Bruce stuck it around his neck and wore it the whole day at the football. He walked through the outer. He he showed 35,000 people at Princess Park the gold medal. And I've never been so worried in all my life. I got home that night, um, called up a lady called Jill Brewster, who was the curator at the Gallery of Sport Museum at the MCG, so I'd love to donate my gold medal to <laughs> Jill. And it sits in there to this day. It's been in there for 20 years. Um, I may get it out, funnily enough, in the next couple of weeks because my kids have a, uh, an Olympic day at school and oh, I may wow. get it out for them. So that'll be a special treat. But Look, they're worth too much money, Seb, to yeah. be lying around in the fruit bowl at home. And, um, you know, ever since Duncan Armstrong lost his, yep. um, I've always been wary that, yeah, as a collector's medal, they're just too valuable to hand around. So we can all see it, thanks to Bugsy. 
Yeah, that's absolutely. <laughs> it's, it's in the Gallery of Sport Museum and the gun that I used to win it with. They clean that religiously. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, they've got a bit of display in there and it's the, it's the right place for it. The shooting team that's heading to Rio, just a bit of a low-profile build-up for the team with Michael Diamond? Yeah, look, I've taken the role as the commentator for Channel 7 <laughs> over there, so I've had to keep my eye on it a lot. And it's only been in the last few days have they finally been able to settle on the team. Um, you know, Michael Diamond... Goes to court on July the 25th, so I have to be very careful about what I say with that. He deserves his day in court, but he's facing a huge drink driving charge and a, a firearms offence. And the Olympic Committee were to meet with Shooting Australia earlier on um, last week to decide his fate, but Shooting Australia at the last minute decided not to nominate him, so it was taken out of the Olympic Committee's hands. So they nominated a young guy in the end called Mitchell Isles, a 17-year-old from up at Hurstbridge, who was taking Michael Diamond's place. And it's you've been, been a bit of an advocate for him, mate? You've yeah, been encouraging of Mitch? Absolutely. I mean, he's, he's only just turned 17, but his wow. resume already includes several Australian Open Championships Sheesh. and a World Open Championship in another discipline of um, shotgun shooting, which was huge. And was a 15-year-old boy, he won an event called the World Hellas Championship, which is a little bit different than what we shoot, obviously, at the Olympics. But he still won it against a world-class field. And at 15, that sort of said to me, this kid, keep an eye on him. And sure enough, he's now the number one ranked shooter in the country in the trap event that will take place in Rio. And I'm, I'm not suggesting that Mitch will start as favourite over there. It, it takes maybe one or two Olympics to really reach maturity but look the sky's the limit for this kid keep an eye on him and put a lazy 10 on the side on him I reckon he'll, <laughs> he'll start at good odds but yeah look we've got a team this time around that this genuinely four medal prospects there's a young guy called James Willett from um, up my whale away who's world number one in the, the event that I used to compete in in double trap there's a guy in rifle prone shooting called Warren Potent who is world number two and we've got a couple of young Victorian ladies, Letitia Scanlon from Berwick and a young lady called Catherine Skinner from Mansfield. They're both ranked in the top 10 in women's trap. Now, Letitia has won two World Cup gold medals over the last two or three years. So she'll go to Rio probably as second or third favourite to win. So, you know, we've, we've got some good chances over there. We'll look forward to your work on the Seven Network. And, uh, mate, always good to catch up on the M's too. The Olympic gold medalist, Russell Mark. Thanks, Seb. Great to catch up with you. Now, I want to get stuck into this because there's probably a few people that are frustrated, but also maybe some that feel quite emotional about this. The Telemarine Freeway Widening Project is a $1 billion project that's supposed to make it easier for people to get out to the airport or wherever they want to go on the Tuller. At the moment, what they're trying to do is turn an old median strip into some extra lanes near the off-ramp, just after the off-ramp down there at the corner of Church Street in Parkville. In that median strip, is a number of lemon-scented gums, but one of them is a tree that's been there for around 94 years. And earlier in the week, Vic Rhodes tried to chop it down when some residents came out to stop it. It's the showdown of the lemon-scented gums, and it's still going on at the moment. It's a big question. You know, do we just need to get rid of the tree, get the roads flowing again, or do you keep it because it's been there forever? There is a group called the Guardians of the Lemon-Scented Gum. Sue Freeland is part of that group. She's also one of the locals out there in Parkville who stopped it being chopped down in the first place. She's on the line now. I want your views on this too. One triple three five three is our number. Sue, at the moment on the tree is a sign that says, Vic Rhodes, you should be ashamed. Why? Well, Vic Rhodes is aiming to work on our road spaces 
and residents here are more concerned about the whole picture, the whole environment. If we're talking about the whole picture, though, shouldn't we be thinking about the thousands of drivers who want to use a better road? Yes, I totally support that argument. And if Vic Roads was actually providing a better alternative, then I'm all for change. But Vic Roads is offering a moving car space here. The cars that come into this area have nowhere to actually go. And they're going to be held in this position waiting for the, ro- the roads that are ahead of them to clear. So at the moment, the tree sits on a median strip at the corner of Church Street and Flemington Road there. Isn't the tree in a sort of unhealthy space in itself with all the, with all the pollution from the cars? Well, it's probably, oh, well, from all the pollution of all the cars, um, I think the tree does an amazing job. It's, it's, con- it's the thing in this intersection that is contributing to the living space, the air quality of this area. Sadly, I don't believe, and a large number of people don't believe, that they are making the best decision. But Sue, a small group of residents, compared to thousands and thousands of drivers, isn't standing in the way of the tree a bit selfish? I feel we're looking at a particular point here in time where there is a significant tree. And this tree, at almost 100 years old, has the potential to live for maybe another 100 or more years and still contribute to this space, to this beautiful livability of Melbourne. Well, so if I had a cause that I was passionate about, I'd want you on my team because, as I say, I admire your passion. How long are you prepared to stop the tree from being removed? We have tried council, state government, all the stakeholder groups, to try and work this through... Oh, sorry, I'm getting really emotional here. Oh, gosh. Sorry, Vic. Um, no, not at all. Take your time. I'm I'm interested, though. Why is this such an emotional issue for you? I think it's livability. It's the protection of the environment that we all live in. And, yes, cars are important. Yes, progress is vital. But if we start mowing down everything that stands in the way without considering the importance of each factor, I think we become a very sad place. Do we want a city that is actually filled with cars and car spaces? Or do we want a city that includes the whole environment? We embrace the wildlife corridors. We embrace the livability of our urban areas. Well, Sue, thanks for having your say. That was Sue Freeland from the Guardians of the Lemon Scented Gum. One triple three five three. Does the tree have to go down there in Flemington? On the line, Brettles from Carrum Downs. What do you reckon? Yeah, mate. Look, um, totally opposite. Infrastructure needs to go ahead in Melbourne. We need to clear these roads up. I'm always on the road, being in construction industry, and I understand that there are trees that are in places that you know people want to keep. But at the end of the day. They need to move, keep this city building, keep the infrastructure going and just plant trees in other places. Jono there from Lang Warren. What do you reckon, Jono? Well, mate, um, I just wanted to know that woman's serious. At the end of the day, is she eating meat at night? She's killing innocent animals? All that sort of rubbish. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, people have got to leave. People have got to get from A to B. And I just can't believe someone can be so hypocritical. I mean, if, she, if she's eating something out of the ground every day, then I can understand her, her standpoint. But... I, I just don't believe um, it's a truly genuine case. Well, she's fair dinkum, and Jono, they've actually written a song about the lemon-scented gum. Do you want to hear that? No, not really. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> I love the honesty. I, I promised I'd play it. Here it is. Those lemon scented gums that spend so high. Now, Jono, what do you reckon of that? Man, I, it'll be on the uh, top 100. Uh, <laughs> for sure. It'll be number one. Oh, appreciate the call there. Hang on there, mate. You've got a voucher to go see the Eagle Ridge Golf Club down there. EagleRidge.com.au. Check it out. They are at Bonio, and the golf and pie offer is back. Steve, you there? Yeah, I'm here, Steve. How are you? Mate, exceptional. What do you reckon about this tree? Look, I'm all for the environment, but the tree's got to go. We need to, you know up infrastructure around Melbourne. I'm a truck driver the last 13 years. It's just getting worse every single year. Mate, I do... I do sympathise with you, and uh, I think that's where I'm standing. But uh, in the meantime, can you put on your Molly Meldrum hat and just uh, tell me what you think of the lemon-scented gum theme song? Those lemon-scented gums that spend so high They help to clean the cobwebs from my mind steve Oh, look, I have to say... um. Good on for having a crack, but they've got to stick to their day job. Mate, uh, have a terrific weekend. i got some tickets, actually, to go see the Boomers very shortly. Uh, That is the Boomers taking on the best up-and-comers of USA basketball at the Farewell Series. It's Tuesday and Thursday at High Sense Arena. Got a double pass for you. Oh, you're a legend. Thanks, Seb. No, mate. Love it. Love it, Steve. Appreciate your time. We've got one more call that we need to get to, and this is Robin at Keylor. Are you there, Robin? I am, and I can't believe you cut me off, Seb. Oh, Robin, I apologise. <laughs> I apologise. I'll try and I, make it up to you. What do you reckon? I reckon we should send all these guys out to the desert, <laughs> and they shouldn't have any air to breathe. Robin, No come birds, on. no animals, no nothing. What do you think of the lemon-scented gum theme song? I think it's great. <laughs> and I think it should be, it should, they should... They should be forced to listen to it 24 hours a day. Yeah, right. Well, it's probably just as bad as listening to this program. Are you taking the P1S5, Robin? The what? <laughs> I don't know if that's Robin or Robert or some sort of voice, but I appreciate the call, Robin. I appreciate all our callers. And, uh, Steve, you've won the tickets there to the Boomers. Speaking of basketball, massive story earlier in the week with Kevin Durant, one of the best players in the NBA, deciding to go to one of the best teams in Golden State. And there's a man with a very big mouth, not unlike myself, but more people listen to him by the name of Stephen A. Smith, works for ESPN, and he went very hard on Kevin Durant's decision. Well, I'm viewing it as the weakest move I've ever seen from a superstar. Plain and simple. That's just how I look at it. Kevin Durant is one of the top three players in the world. And he ran away from the challenge that he faces in order to jump on a bandwagon of a team that's a little bit better, that's already rife with at least one superstar, a couple of guys that can really, really get it done. I just view it as him jumping on a bandwagon. And I think it's the weakest move I've ever seen by a superstar. Plain and simple. Ouch. I want to talk about that decision because it has ramifications for our Andrew Bogut, who's heading to another side. We'll cross the United States and the Bay Area, to be exact, very, very shortly. I mentioned the Kevin Durant trade. 
which is huge. He's one of the top three players in the NBA, and he's moving from Oklahoma City all the way over to the Golden State Warriors. And some have said that this is a weak move on his behalf because he's such a big player, and the Warriors are such a good team. For more information, we're going to cross over to the San Francisco Bay Area. David Barclay III is a columnist for the Examiner over there. And David, let's start with the key question, which is how big is this for San Francisco and the wider Bay Area? I think uh, in my lifetime, at least, this is the single-handed largest free agency pickup that any sports team in the Bay Area. That's huge. So across any of the major sports, this is the biggest signing. You went to the press conference. How did Kevin Durant sound? He sounded excited to be uh, to be in the position he's in. You know, it, there 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 has been a lot of uh, noise in the background from some other prominent sports figures here in the States that uh, he's, he's uh, ring chasing. He's taken the, uh, the easy way out. One, one real prominent sports writer named Stephen A. Smith said it was the weakest move he had ever seen from a superstar athlete in his career. And uh, I don't, I don't necessarily know if I agree with that. I mean, obviously Kevin Durant could have picked uh, any team in the NBA to go to. And there were several teams that, that pitched him, he had a house in the Hamptons over the weekend, and the and the Warriors sent their uh, their uh, their group of, of guys. It was uh, Curry and Thompson and Draymond Green and Andre Iguodala. Joe Lacob was there. The head coach was there, and you know the Warriors were just one of many teams that solicited Durant's services, and and this is what he thought would be the best fit for him. And and I agree with him. I think it's it's going to play off of his skills well and hopefully he'll be able to win a couple of championships. One question we have to ask for our local audience, Andrew Bogut. He's now out of Golden State. Yeah. Yeah, he was traded in the uh in the uh, mechanics to make the uh to clear the cap space for Kevin Durant. You know, there there were some talks about a week after the finals ended that the front office was just uh for lack of a better term fed up with uh Bogut's unreliability. I don't know if that speaks to his injuries. Or, or what it's about, but I, I don't think there's any, um, there's nothing, at least in the Warriors fan base, but love for Andrew Bogut. You know, there, it was a tumultuous, tumultuous marriage to begin with. You know, they, the Warriors at the time traded their highest scoring player for uh, Andrew Bogut, who was still hurt, nursing an injury, wasn't available to play. And the following night, the night following the trade, uh, there there was a Jersey retirement ceremony for Chris Mullen and uh, the, the crowd was, was very uh, adamant about booing. They booed throughout the entire ceremony just because they couldn't believe that this new ownership team came in and traded their, their highest scoring player. But as years went by, I, I'm pretty sure that, um, that the fans grew to love and respect and appreciate what Andrew Bogut brought to the floor every night. And, you know, certainly as a member of the media that pays attention to international sport, Losing Andrew Bogut for me personally just means that I have uh, one less person to talk about Formula One and AFL about. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it. You've been to an AFL game, haven't you? Yeah, I've been to a couple. I actually have a friend um, who lives in Melbourne, and he's a big uh, Cats fan. And just to give him a hard time, I adopted the uh, the Hawks as my team. So I pay, I dabble. I pay attention. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm much more involved in Formula One than I am in AFL, but I, I definitely enjoy it. Uh, we'll have you on to talk about Daniel Ricciardo at a later date. David Barclay, a Bay Area columnist, San Francisco, bringing us up to speed on Kevin Durant arriving at the Warriors. Great to chat, mate. Thanks for having me, Seb. Ready. A bounce, a right for Nada. The big 
seen in your life. Come on, mate. Follow me. Follow me to the bench. This is Brian Taylor. Looks like I'm the only one to win a Coleman and be in a film. And this is Bristles Missing. Take your flags and stick them you know where. It is 22 to 9. Brian Taylor, have you just got off a plane from Wales? I have indeed, uh, Seb. I've just come back from uh, Wales. Uh, they're doing a bit of a speedway action for the uh, big event on the 22nd of October at Ead. Ah, uh, so this is the uh, the sort of motorbike event. They don't have brakes. They go hell for leather around courses, dirt courses and what have you at yep. various stadiums around the world. And they flew you to Wales. Yeah, and of course the big event in Cardiff this weekend. That's why I was there. I missed the event but got the build-up sort of uh, part to it. So it was uh, absolutely fantastic. Of course, those guys... Uh, we've got a couple of uh, world champions in the event there. So it's a big event coming to Australia. And, of course, I come back this morning, said Costello, as fresh as a daisy, like I haven't even flown, <laughs> because I was in Eddie ha- on, oh. on the Etihad flight, business class. Where's the cash space, register s- uh, sound effect? Space, comfort, friendly, full flat bed, live TV, watch CNN all the way, watch Wimbledon all the way. Oh, Incredible you are, service. You are and the I best. feel like I have. You are the best. Oh, Brian, so fresh. Hey, you would have missed this, but I want your view because uh, you're a very intelligent man. They're making the Tala Freeway wider, but there's a few locals that don't want them to remove a tree that has to be mown down in the name of progress. And they've made a song about the lemon-scented gum. Sounds like this. Those lemon-scented gums that spend so high What do you think of that sort of folk song, Brian? Oh, what the hell is all this about, Seb? Are you kidding me? <laughs> Tree and song of that type? Get me back on the Etihad flight. I'll go back to London right now, courtesy of Michael Johnson and James Hogan. Oh, shush! There. I will go Where's back the there dump button? rather than listen to that nonsense. <laughs> hey, uh, Bristle. One before you go, uh, you would have missed the uh, whole Kieran Jack scenario. His mum and his girlfriend apparently don't see eye to eye, and mum tweeted about it this week. Fair right. bit of drama for Kieran to deal with, but he went out there last night, kicked the winning or the opening goal down there at the Cattery, and the Swans ran away with a the victory. They look dangerous, that Sydney team. Yeah, look, they can win it, Seb. There's, there's no doubt about that. I, I put them next to Hawthorne. Geelong and the Western Bulldogs, probably the best four sides in it at the moment. So, yeah, they can definitely win. They've got a great midfield. Um, and I, I did hear about it overseas. I did uh, have a bit of a look on social media and saw some bits and pieces flying around. So it's uh, very, very interesting indeed, uh, the Kieran Jack situation. Not the first time that that has happened in sport. I seem to remember that happened to someone in the Australian cricket team. I think it was Mitchell Johnson's. Yeah. Girlfriend or yes. wife didn't get on with the parents or mm. something. Yep, that's and, right. And that ripped him apart for a while, and he was a bit more uh, fragile mentally and probably couldn't handle it as well as what Kieran uh, appears to have handled it. So, uh, been, been very good. Yeah, so, uh, mate, you're back in town. You're on the rub this afternoon? Yes, we've got the rub from oh, noon boy. today, so we're looking forward to that. And then I'm going to have a bit of a look tonight at the Western Bulldogs in Richmond for the Seven Network. So, looking forward to. Uh, for, uh, for that game in particular, just to see how the dogs go. The other thing that's happened while I was away, Seb, is the, is the John. Uh, yeah, situation. what about that? I, look, mate, here's my view, right? Yep. We know that people negotiate while they're coming out of contract, 
But don't you meet the other club at a cafe or something rather than walking in there and having a look around? Well, but he went late at night. And yeah, but no you... one would have expected to be there. I wouldn't go to a cafe because someone's going to see you and take a photo. Then. Well, all right. Well, somebody's house. I reckon yeah. if you're prepared to be seen in another club's headquarters, there's a lack of respect there for the side you're with. You would go. You would go to someone's private house. You're quite right. Mm. But having said that. I just, with Luke Beveridge and the stances he's taken and the attitude he's got there of, you know, team first and nothing else matters, I can't see how he can play a game for the Western Bulldogs this year based on that. You know, yep. if you're freely uh, negotiating with another club to the point where you've been and visited their facility and spoken with a coach, I know this happens in other sports all the time, and I know it happens in our sport behind closed doors, but uh, I reckon now that Beveridge knows about it, oh, I'd be very... And he is in their top 23, 24 players. I'd be very, very surprised if they play him again. I'm looking at my social media and everywhere is photos people have taken with Pokemon characters superimposed on them. I don't really understand it. Matty from Back is Marsh, what is this all about? Debbie, my man, there is a new app out. It's called Pokemon Go. Yep. So basically, it's like it's a game, and it's run through, uh, like it runs through your either iPhone or your Android device using GPS. Yep. And basically, you're a little dude, you're a little Pokemon trainer, and you're <laughs> uh, running around in real time in the real world, and there are Pokemon in the world. Like, there are Pokemon over the roads, like in parks and stuff, and you go around and you catch them, and it's absolutely unbelievable. It's mad. It's so, so fun. So, so I can, like, whip open the app in my bedroom, and suddenly yep. there's Pikachu sitting on my bedside table. Mate, you would be chucking Pokeballs <laughs> at it left, right, <laughs> Not only are you, like, in your bedroom, you're pointing your camera at it, and it's, like, it's physically, it's using the images around you through your camera. That's amazing. Matty, uh, I've got some tickets for you to see the Australian Boomers take on the best up-and-coming USA basketball talent at the Boomers Farewell Series. It's uh, Thursday or Tuesday at High Sense Arena. Tickets are ticket tech all the door, but you've got a double pass. My man, thank you very much. Go Wait, well, Matty, and make sure you got to catch them all, though. Oh, got to catch them all, mate. That's good. <laughs> I love it. That takes me back. Now, Nerily Meadows has flown in from Perth. Good morning, Nez. Thanks for having me. Uh, before we talk Pokemon, you are involved in this Boomers uh, telecast of the Boomers taking on the best of the USA college sides. You're going to be courtside. Yeah, I'm going to be courtside for Fox Sports. All so this work I do in the NBA <laughs> and you get the courtside oh, gig Didham's for the Boomers. Didham's you, Didham's you going to outrageous. Game 7 and checking out the NBA. We all feel so sorry for Sam. Well, I, I wish I could make you disappear like a Pokemon character. <laughs> I'd catch you in my... He called them Pokeballs. I believe that's the official term. Okay. How was Perth? You are a Pokeball. That's, you are. I feel like you that's are, a good descriptive word you, you, for you. You are like a toad-like Pokemon. Anyway, let's get on with it. <laughs> so, uh, you're back from Perth. Had a good weekend. Uh, you would have seen, though, last night the whole Kieran Jack situation. So, earlier in the week, the mother tweets about how she's not got tickets for Kieran's 200. She's pretty upset about that. Really disappointing. People, it is. People obviously chase that because she's put the tweet out there. And when I say people, I mean the media. It emerges. There's a bit of a feud between the girlfriend and the mother. And that at the moment, Kieran feels that the girlfriend's in the right. So he goes as out well there. As well as his little brother, Brandon. He's on his side, but the other brother, anyway. So game starts. Kieran kicks the opening goal. Camera pans to the girlfriend where she's weeping. And look... I feel this stuff's none of our business, but once it's out there, we saw what happened and I just was really touched by that. And particularly her father leaning across and, and touching her in support uh, was really moved because you need your family when times are tough. 
And I also really like the moment where he kicked his third goal and his entire team just jumped on him because he means so much to that club. He's the co-captain. He's such a wonderful human being to deal with and having dealt with him for several years now, because I used to live in Sydney, he is such a mature person and such a great leader. And I don't know the behind the scenes before, you know, of this entire situation, but I've only ever experienced him as a really lovely, kind, you know, really strong leader. And the, the ironic thing out of all this, when he did his press conference the other day mm. and, and handled the situation, he did it with such class and dignity yeah. that parents should be proud of that. He's very good. He's, we actually need him on this program to bring some class and dignity Wouldn't that be great? to the proceedings. Uh, we're talking to Nerly Meadows from Fox Sports. You went down Media Street this week, and it was rather nice too. <laughs> it was a nice showing of family Speaking unity. Speaking of family. Your brother is, uh, uh, well, one of your brothers is a hockey player, used to play for the Kookaburras. The other is an actor about to star on a new Channel 10 series, and you dominate on Fox Sports, and you and the actor did a photo shoot, but not everything went right. It didn't. The... Basically, it went to air. Uh, sorry, went to air. Went to print in uh, in Perth in the Sunday Times, and and my brother Ian and I, the actor, we tried to pump up our other brother because he he did play hockey for Australia, and he's the only one that's actually achieved something in the sporting world that we all wanted to be like him. And we pumped him up, and his name is Ross, and you know he's he's been in plenty of his articles of his own over the years because he did play for Australia, and they uh, managed to put his name to print as Rob. <laughs> 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 so he <laughs> Sorry. He, he wasn't too impressed by that. <laughs> and now oh, he's you've got a, you've got a legitimately now. funny one this week. <laughs> Thank you, Hitchy. Thanks, Hitch. <laughs> his in-laws now are referring to him as Rob on the WhatsApp, which you can imagine is, you know, fantastic. And they have an unborn child which is now nicknamed Robbo. Little Rob. So my eldest brother, who is the only one that's actually achieved something really quite tangible, is now being referred to as Rob instead of Ross. Not happy. Surely that's happened to other people. One triple three five three. Have you ever gone down Media Street, maybe the local paper, maybe you've been on the TV news, and they've just stuffed something up? Maybe it's your name. Maybe it's a key detail of the story. We've got Big Ray at Roeville. Did the media stuff you up, Ray? Uh, yeah, they did. Um, years ago, uh, cricket uh, player in Shepparton. Uh, top scored three weeks in a row. And the first week, my name went in as Ron. The second week was Rex. The third week was Rex. <laughs> so I'd roll up to training. I started getting called Ron Rex Rex Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> And Rex, Rex is stuck, and I'm 47, and people still call me Rex, and that was from when I was about uh, 17. Oh, mate, you're a legend. Thanks so much for that, Rob. Really appreciate it. Rex. No worries. Find Wilson. Out, <laughs> have a great weekend, Ray. I'm sure it has happened, and especially when, you know, you do have a big day out at local sport, you want to see your name in there. Oh, and local papers, that's where it's at, isn't yeah. it? Especially coming from a country town, when I got my name in the Collie Mail, it was Ooh. a big deal. Hey, one really quick question for those who have played local footy. One triple three five three. Is the best done in order in the local paper? I've long had this debate. You get about five or six names named in the best for your side. Is the first name actually the best player? Let us know or Twitter at Seb Costello 9. Now, Nez, uh, much on for the weekend? Just some AFL tonight going on? I'm off to uh, MC the Sydney Swans ladies lunch today in Melbourne, which will be a bit of fun. And then AFL tonight, 10.30, Fox footy, catch it live. Obviously, we've got all the games back this weekend. So What's a lot the ladies lunch? Going on. Well, basically, they have a couple of players come along and then it's uh, it's a nice pampering kind of afternoon That's... where the mums get to come along and things like that. So yes. It's a bit of good Are you fun. you taking your mum? Well, no, she's back in Perth. Oh, uh, well, 
Is this a Kieran Jack sort of scenario? That my mum lives where she lives. No, like is there some friction there between you and mum and potential boyfriend? No. <laughs> <laughs> Can't believe you're taking that seriously. You have a sensational weekend. Triple M's Weekend Breakfast with Seb Costello for Eagle Ridge. The golf and pie offer is back. EagleRidge.com.au